Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. And I'm Dan, filling in for Los again. Do we do we know what happened to him? Did he fall in a crater somewhere and get lost? Yeah, he's on short-term IR, so he should be back next week. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, but not not COVID related. Just no, regular short-term IR. Yes, fortunately not COVID related. Uh, Los should be back this coming week. So for those of you who missed his sweet melodious voice, uh, you will get plenty of that. But not tonight. Tonight it will be me and Dan discussing the week four previews. And uh, not as many injuries this week, but still quite a few injuries to the wide receiver position specifically. Uh, we're going to talk about that on our waiver wire ads. Uh, there is a little bit of help for those of you whose teams need it at the wide receiver position. Of course, uh, if you missed the announcement last week, we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy. Do you guys like to make prop bets each week? If so, Thrive Fantasy is perfect for you offering DFS-style contests where you pick 10 out of 20 prop bets each week, and you compete against other players on how many you get right. Each prop bet has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more you pick correctly, the more points you score, helping you to place and win money. Thrive has paid out over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018, and if you use our promo code ADDICTS, that's A-D-D-I-C-T-S. When you sign up for an account and deposit a minimum of $20, you'll receive an instant match of up to $50 credited to your account. Check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, or you can play at thrivefantasy.com. You excited, Dan, for this coming week? Yeah, I am, actually. Um, I, I I didn't bet a whole lot this over this uh, particular um week three but um i'm looking at week four probably doing a few more there's some tasty matchups that i think that'll be pretty good yeah there's a lot of uncertain games uh, this week as there were last week i think uh, it's going to be kind of boring for our pick em this week I, I believe both los and i took pretty much every favored team because it's just tough to predict those upsets when some of these good teams are so good. Uh, we've got a couple locks this week that I'm sure we'll all agree on, but let's just jump right in. Uh, Thursday night game, of course, is going to be Denver at the New York Jets. And just yuck. Ugh, man, uh, Jeff Driscoll got benched against Tampa Bay. It sounds like Thursday night it's either going to be Brett Ripien or Blake Bortles starting in this game for the Broncos. So lots of, uh, lots of excitement there, I'm sure. Noah Fant led the team. Uh, against the Bucks with 10 targets, and Jerry Judy wasn't too far behind with nine of his own. So Fant is a volume tight end one, Judy a viable flex play. And then with Philip Lindsay still out with that toe injury, Melvin Gordon's usage keeps him as a viable RB3 flex as well. On the Jets side here, just a lot of sadness. Uh, there are reports that Adam Gase is on the hot seat, and for good reason. I don't expect Jameson Crowder or Brashad Perriman to make it back for this game. Both were out with injuries this past week as well. But if you're desperate, I guess Braxton Berrios as a volume wide receiver four isn't the worst bet. And then Kalen Blage is a desperation running back four. But 
hopefully you're not reaching for either of these guys outside of 14 or 16 team leagues. Like I said at the beginning of this game preview, uh, yuck. I, I guess I'll take the Broncos here because they're not the Jets, but I'm staying pretty far away from this game betting-wise, especially without knowing yet who's going to be starting at quarterback for the Broncos. Yeah, rumors are swirling. I, I heard this. I saw a little bit on, on Twitter and Reddit today that people are saying that uh, you said Adam Gates is on the hot seat, but they're saying that if he loses, he's probably going to be out. We'll, we'll see if there's any truth of those rumors, but if anyone remembers from last week, I am very, very against the Jets. They're just a trash team. Um, so I'm going for Denver. Yeah, I don't know who uh, who's, whose seat is hotter right now, Adam Gase or Dan Quinn, after losing two in a row. But we'll get to him in just a second. Uh, Los is also taking Denver here. Um, the next game we're going to talk about, the Sunday noon Central 1 p.m. Eastern game, starting with the Colts at the Bears. Uh, there's not much here from a receiver standpoint to get excited about. Phillip Rivers continues to spread the ball around. At this point, T.Y. Hilton's just a flex play at best. And, you know, Mo Alley Cox, a tight end too, with some pretty good yards after the catch ability. It is good to note, though, that Mo Alley Cox played more offensive snaps than a healthy Jack Doyle this week, even after he returned to the lineup. So he could be a nice stash if Rivers does start to rely on him more in the passing game as his new. Antonio Gates per se. Taylor, it was a disappointing day for him to see just 13 carries compared to 9 for Jordan Wilkins and 7 for Naeem Hines in that blowout. I took uh, the over on 95 and a half combined rushing and receiving yards for Taylor uh, as a prop bet on Thrive last week and shockingly it didn't hit. I was very disappointed and you know that said this game against the Bears shouldn't be quite the blowout it was against the Jets so hopefully we'll get to see more of Jonathan Taylor used throughout this game. On the Bears side it is Nick Foles time. This bodes well for Allen Robinson despite a tough matchup against this Colts secondary even with Malik Hooker out for the year. Robinson is back to a must start wide receiver too given the volume he's due to see. And interestingly enough, Chicago is the only team in the league through three weeks without a single rushing touchdown. David Montgomery has been running well for the most part, but until he scores, he's just a flex who's really going to need that touchdown hit. Although we could see him more involved in the passing game as well, with Tariq Cohen out for the year with an ACL tear. Also, Dan, is is Jimmy Graham a thing again? He, he kind of slides back into fantasy relevance as a touchdown-dependent tight end too here, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm. I might have to agree with you there, um, especially considering now that uh, Tree Cohen is out for the year. He he's been kind of like a dump off safety net in in the past for the Bears, and if that's not there, you got to just move right on over to your tight end. And Jimmy Graham also being the massive man that he is is a huge target in the red zone. So I don't know. I keep your eye on him. Yeah, he's not fast anymore. He's no longer the Jimmy Graham from the Saints days, but uh, he is one of the biggest red zone targets on the team, and they're using him as such. So, as I said, touchdown dependent tight end too very well could be for the rest of the year here. The Bears are probably the flimsiest 3-0 and team in the league, but, you know, could they surprise again and beat the Colts? It's possible, but I'm going to bet on Indianapolis here. I'm actually going to take the Bears because I think they're going to, I, you know, I feel like I've been saying this for the past like two weeks, but their defense hasn't been playing super well lately, and I think this is the week that it comes together. 
Yeah, very possible. I think this is a close one, uh, but Los will also take the Colts here. The next game, Jacksonville at Cincinnati. It was disappointment for Minshew and LaVisca Chenault and all of the fantasy GMs who had them on their rosters on Thursday night, but hopefully uh, the process over results crowd uh, was loud enough. You know, everything was kind of game scripted, uh, or it was a good game script for them, excuse me, on paper, but uh, they just really weren't able to move the ball on offense with DJ Shark out. This is going to be a smash spot for James Robinson, though. I've got him ranked as a top 10 running back this week against this Bengals run defense. And I think it's fine to go back to Minshew. I understand you're hurt if you started him in week three and it didn't work out, but this is still a great matchup for him, especially with the early reports being optimistic that Shark will return. He's going to be a solid wide receiver three. And then Chenault is still a boomer bust flex, probably the most dynamic player behind him. As for the Bengals side, man, I was definitely off on Drew Sample. I was very excited about him going into week three after CJ Uzoma tore his Achilles and was declared out for the season. I thought that Sample was going to see a lot of targets, but it really didn't pan out. So they continued to use him as a blocker as they drafted him. And instead, T. Higgins saw a ton of targets. So Higgins seems like he's starting to take over that number one job here. He's a flex option with upside going forward if the target volume can keep up. Uh, I like Boyd as well, and A.J. Green hasn't been great to start the season, but he is a wide receiver for no longer expected to see coverage as he did from Darius Slay this past week. And I do think that Joe Burrow should be started here. I took the over on one and a half passing touchdowns for him last week on Thrive, and I expect another multi-score game from him here. In fact, I think the rookie gets his first win this week. I'm going to take Burrow and the Bengals. Yeah, it's interesting that Graham is, or I'm sorry, not Graham. It's interesting that uh, A.J. Green has been so disappointing considering, and I think you talked about this. I can't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago, but you mentioned the target share that he's getting should really be resulting in, in higher fantasy numbers just by playing a numbers game, but it's not. So I don't know. Maybe Maybe wait on him unless you absolutely have to play him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a ton of volume for him through the first three weeks, but that hasn't resulted in pro, in uh, production. So I think they're starting to look at T. Higgins more, see if he can actually take over that role. John Ross, of course, was a healthy and active. So really it's come down to Boyd, uh, Boyd, excuse me, Higgins and Green as the three wide receivers in 11 personnel. Right. I think I'm going to take Cincinnati here as well. Yep, and Los will sweep it here. The next game is going to be Cleveland at Dallas. And I think what we've seen through three weeks is that the Browns are going to run, run, and run some more when opponents cannot outscore them like Washington could not. This week, though, Cleveland figures to play from behind against a very red-hot Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense. I expect a little bit more from Odell Beckham this week as a result. And, uh, you know, he's a player that I look to sell following week two. Certainly not what we drafted him to be, but I do think that he'll be a good start this week. As for the Cowboys, the burning question is who the heck is Cedric Wilson? Well, I think he's worth a look in deeper leagues, but for, for now, the pecking order is still Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup that you want in this passing game. And by the way, don't worry about Zeke. If last week was his floor, you're still very happy about taking him second overall this year as a locked-in workhorse running back. Given how this offense has looked, I know they've had some close losses to Seattle, 
and they barely beat the Falcons, but it's hard to bet against Dallas here, despite their defensive woes, just the way the Prescott is playing. Yeah, I'm going to take Dallas here. Yeah, uh, Los will sweep it. Uh, he spent a little time in Dallas, so I'll, maybe he's a little biased there as well. And now we've got New Orleans at Detroit as the next game. Drew Brees uh, last night did not look good. He looked kind of done. His stat line uh, is fine on paper, but Kamara had 139 of Brees' 288 passing yards. Nearly half of Breeze's passing was to Kamara, and a lot of that came after the catch. I would be looking to trade away Drew Brees, if at all possible, if there are some more casual fantasy players in your league who just check the box scores and think that Breeze was awesome last night. He most certainly was not. Uh, I have very little faith in Breeze being a consistent fantasy QB1 this year. That said, he should be an okay back-end QB1 this week against Detroit, but I certainly don't feel great about it. I'd also have a backup plan in place for Michael Thomas for at least one more week. Uh, it still sounds very questionable whether he will be ready to return from that high ankle sprain. On the Detroit side here, uh, Kenny Galladay is finally back from his hamstring injury, I believe. Um, is that right? Hamstring? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. There are so many hamstring injuries and other injuries going on this year that it's, it's getting hard to keep track of everything. But certainly you're happy that Galladay is back. You're starting him, but the bigger story here is TJ Hawkinson. He's run a route on 89% of Stafford's dropbacks and gets a New Orleans secondary that's given up four touchdowns to tight ends through three games, including 104 yards and two touchdowns to the Packers tight ends last night. So uh, you're definitely starting TJ Hawkinson this week. Things are looking up for him. And then despite the upset win against the Cardinals, uh, certainly credit due to Detroit for that. And while the Saints did not look great last night against the Packers, I'm still going to lean on Sean Payton here to rally his team and bounce back to 2-2 two and two at the end of this week. You really think that, that Drew Brees is going to perform this poorly even when Michael Thomas comes back? Because you're advising people to trade. I guess I didn't really think about it until you just brought it up, but really the one red flag that I have for just jumping ahead and trying to trade him is the fact that Michael Thomas is not playing, and he is their best receiver. I get that, but, I mean, compare that to what Aaron Rodgers was able to do, even without Devontae Adams. Um, just Drew Brees' average depth of target. I mean, Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders are good enough receivers that, he, you know, there were open shots downfield that he just did not want to take. Uh, whether that's a lack of trust in Sanders and Smith or just, a lack of trust in his own arm, or a little bit of both, but I, I do not love uh, Drew Brees this year, and it, it actually wouldn't shock me if Jameis Winston got some run uh, by midseason. Okay. Uh, are you taking the Saints here? I'm going to definitely take the Saints here. Sorry, I was just distracted by this 93-yard kick return touchdown that happened in the um, this KC-Baltimore game. Yeah, uh, if you, like I said, uh, I got some questions on Twitter of Baltimore defense or others, and you know it's hard to bench this Baltimore defense, even though Patrick Mahomes has moved the ball downfield early in this game. There's still plenty of opportunities. They have a good secondary. They can get some pressure here, maybe force a turnover or at least a couple sacks. Um, yeah, uh, this, is a, this is a Ravens defense that you don't really want to bench at all. This is a game that you don't want to bet on. <laughs> no, but uh, 
This has been a very good game so far. Who did we, so who did we take? So I, I'm sorry to, to, to digress so much, but I can't remember who took what. I think, I don't think we, we were unanimous last week on this game. I believe game. Los and I both took Baltimore. Okay. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I took Kansas City. Um, and, and I believe I said at the time that I never want to bet against Patrick Mahomes, but Baltimore is such a good team of their own. And, Hopefully, I mean, I'm a big Mahomes fan, so I'd like to see Kansas City win here, and it's still early, and it's a very, very yeah, tight right. game. It's a, it's still early, it's still a close game, but like, let's let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. No, we said last week that we were probably going to have some interruptions because this was going to be That's a very true. good did. game tonight. You definitely said that. Yep. Um, I, I guess a, a self fulfilling prophecy there. Uh, Los will also take the Saints, so we'll move on to the next game here: Pittsburgh at Tennessee. We'll see if Deontay Johnson can clear concussion protocol in time for this game. If not, I don't hate James Washington and Chase Claypool as dart throw wide receiver fours this week. Uh, the Titans secondary uh, and their defense overall really has not played well so far this year. Um, Ebron could also be a nice tight end to play here with the Titans having given up a touchdown to a tight end in every single game so far through three weeks. On the Pittsburgh side, their defense is very legit, much like the Titans of last year, and I don't love any Titans player this week. Derrick Henry is still a must-start on volume, but he's more of a back-end RB2 needing a touchdown here to return value. One of the bets I took on Thrive this past week was the over on 0.5 touchdowns for Derrick Henry, and he certainly got that and more, but I'm not so sure here against the Steelers' defensive line. While David Johnson was able to punch it in on a short touchdown this past week, the Steelers have been very stingy on the ground as usual. But of course, Johnny Smith remains a tight end one as the target leader on this team, especially with A.J. Brown still not looking great to suit up for this one. I will say, though, that I think A.J. Brown is a good buy-low target for teams who have started 3-0 or 2-1 and and feel good because it does look like the Titans are going to need to throw a lot. So some of that concern with A.J. Brown heading into the season about his target volume, uh, he might see quite a bit of volume here. Tennessee barely beat a mess of a Minnesota team. I'm going to take the Steelers. Yeah, me too. And Los will sweep it. Easy pick right there. Yep, and I think the next uh, the next week, or excuse me, the next game of the week that we're going to talk about is pretty easy too. Seattle at Miami. Do we really need to talk much about the Seahawks here? Wilson is cooking. Wilson is on an MVP type run. He, Lockett, and Metcalf are all auto starts right now. We're going to see about Chris Carson's injury on that dirty hit by the defender, but it doesn't sound too serious, luckily. So it sounds like he could be ready for this game, but. If not, Carlos Hyde becomes a great one-week rental. Uh, I think he has RB2 uh, production with upside here in fantasy against this Miami team that they should be leading for most of this game. And on the other side here, uh, it's been a shootout every single game for Seattle so far this year, and I expect that, expect that to continue with Fitzmagic. There's always the risk of an implosion with some turnovers with Fitzpatrick, but... Uh, I do think he's a low on QB1 with a lot of upside this week. He did great against that Jacksonville secondary. Should be cooking as well here opposite Russ. I love Parker and Gesicki, and Preston Williams remains a priority waiver wire. And despite seeing just two targets against Jacksonville on Thursday, he did score the touchdown. I just think there's upside galore for all these Dolphins pass catchers this week. If Seattle gets up big, 
and there's a lot of garbage time with PPR volume to be spread around in the second half of this game. All that being said, Wilson is just red hot. Give me the Seahawks here. That's an easy pick. Seahawks as well. Yeah, uh, we will lock that in here. Uh, the next game is going to be the LA Chargers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was a disappointing second start for Justin Herbert after playing so well against Kansas City two weeks ago. But it's great news for those with Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Austin Eckler on their rosters. The offense in LA is playing much, much better overall with Herbert at the helm. And even though the Bucks are a tougher matchup on defense, all three of these players should be started with confidence. On the Bucks side here, it's really, really tough to decipher this Bucks backfield each and every week. One of my picks on Thrive last week was for net over 45 and a half rushing yards. Uh, but the workload shifted yet again to 13 carries for Ronald Jones to just 7-4 for net. There remains a messy committee here in Tampa Bay, and it might take an injury at this point for any of these running backs to become a solid, reliable starter in fantasy. And then, of course, Chris Godwin hurt his hamstring, and Mike Evans scored two touchdowns on just two targets. So uh, it was kind of a toss-up here. Uh, both had nice weeks, but... Assuming that Godwin could miss some time with this hamstring injury, love Evans. And maybe I gave up on Gronk too soon. Is that a thing too? Uh, you know, we saw a lot of Gronk and OJ Howard uh, with Denver being better on the outside of their secondary. And the same holds true for the Chargers with very good cornerbacks. Uh, maybe we're going to see more Gronk and Howard again this week. Uh, I know Los uh, still doesn't believe in Gronk, but Maybe it just took him a little bit to get back into game speed. Is that a thing? I mean, I I would agree with that. Like I, I think I I think I said this last week when I said like Gronk is probably gonna end up doing what he always does and has a a, a crazy second half of of the season. You know, he's a little bit quiet. This is just what he's been doing for the past like few years. That at least that he's been playing. I would certainly love to see it, and I know that Los would not love to see it, given our bet, uh, but he and I will both take Tampa Bay here. I, I do want to point out that you, you, you mentioned the messy committee, and I agree with that. I'm starting to wonder if if all those years of Patriot running back committees, may, maybe it was actually Tom Brady and not Bill Belichick that was uh, was trying to uh, to implement that, you know? <laughs> it's certainly possible, and at the end of the day, I'm sure Brady does have uh, quite a bit of say in which running back is playing on any given down, but part of me still thinks that Fournette's still picking up the playbook, and uh, I don't know. If I had to pick one right now, rest of the season, who I would rather have, it, it would still be Fournette. I well, think. Fournette's the most talented one, so... Yeah, I think I think Jones was the incumbent, but I do think that we're going to slowly start to see more and more Fournette, even though that was not the case in Week 3. Are you uh are you taking Tampa Bay here as yeah, well? Yeah, I'm going to definitely take Tampa Bay. All righty. Uh, next game, Baltimore at Washington. Of course, the Ravens playing tonight. We haven't seen too much from Lamar Jackson and the offense just yet. They've settled for a field goal, and then uh, you know they had the kick return touchdown, so they haven't been on the field a whole lot. But uh, you're starting Brown and Jackson and Andrews, and maybe Willie Sneed could continue to be useful in deeper leagues in his slot role. But uh, certainly not a whole lot to talk about here. So let's move on to the Washington side. And even less to talk about here, Terry McLaurin is the only Washington player I would want to start this week against a very good Baltimore defense. I know they have not looked it tonight thus far, but 
Uh, Dwayne Haskins is most certainly no uh, Patrick Mahomes, so I, I don't think he's going to be dissecting this Baltimore defense quite as much. Really, I just expect for the Ravens to dominate from beginning to end uh, in this game, much like they did against Cleveland in week one. I think this is the lock of the week. I assume we're all taking Baltimore here, Dan. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let's... I absolutely agree on lock of the week. <laughs> yeah, let's not waste any more time. This is here. the anchor of all my parlays this week. I, I 100% agree. Um, the next game here, uh, Arizona at Carolina. Those with Kenyon Drake on their fantasy teams must be frustrated because he's gotten the vast majority of the carries and he's been running a lot of routes out of the backfield. But the main thing here is Kyler Murray has been running a ton, which is great for Murray, uh, those who have Murray on their fantasy rosters. But it's really been limiting Drake's touchdown and PPR opportunities. But stay the course here. Carolina is a great matchup. The other thing I wanted to talk about on this Cardinals team was Andy Isabella. Uh, certainly a name to keep on watch lists. I think this is the, still the DeAndre Hopkins show right now in terms of the passing game. Because even though Andy Isabella scored two touchdowns, it was on just four targets. But that said, he does seem to be contributing more when he is seeing the field than Christian Kirk was even before his groin injury. So if Isabella can eventually earn a bigger role, he could be someone interesting. On the Panthers' side, Mike Davis is getting that workhorse volume instead of Christian McCaffrey right now. Keeps him as a viable RB2 with upside each and every week. Sadly, uh, for DJ Moore, he is not getting a ton of volume. In fact, he has not been anywhere near the target magnet that he was last year. Now that Robbie Anderson is in town and Curtis Samuel has been getting involved more as more than he was last year as well. Right now, both Moore and Anderson are wide receiver twos with somewhat limited ceilings, especially with Moore still not seeing many red zone targets. He's really going to need volume to be productive, and that's just simply not been there so far. Kyler Murray showed a little bit of his youth and inexperience against Matt Patricia and the Lions with three interceptions. Uh, but I expect him to get things back on track this week against a very weak Carolina secondary. I'm going to take Arizona here. Yeah, I'm also going to take Arizona. Yeah, I have nothing else to say about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Los concurs. Minnesota at Houston is the next matchup we're going to talk about here. And the big thing here is Justin Jefferson, who exploded in a big way in week three. He leads our waiver wire ads at wide receiver. Jefferson has a lot of potential if the Vikings continue getting into these shootouts given the state of their cornerback unit. And Adam Thielen owners should actually be happy about this because even though Thielen saw just five targets to Jefferson's nine against Tennessee, opponents aren't going to be able to shift coverage to Thielen as much anymore with a credible threat opposite him in Jefferson. I would expect Thielen to resume some good volume play now that opponents have been put on notice about Jefferson. I think Thielen's a great wide receiver two this week against Houston and Jefferson a wide receiver three with upside. As for the Texans, they might be the best 0-3 team in the league, uh, just like Chicago's the, the worst 3-0 team in the league. Uh, super unlucky for them to have drawn Kansas City and Baltimore in weeks one and two, both legitimate Super Bowl contenders to open the season, and then a very good Pittsburgh defense in week three, but Finally, in week four, I love Watson, Fuller, and Cooks. I think all three could be unleashed this week in fantasy, and all three should be in your lineups. And then David Johnson continues serving in that workhorse role for as long as Duke Johnson is out with that high ankle sprain. 
should be started as a solid RB2 here. I do think that the Texans are going to be bounce, be able to bounce back for their first win this week. Give me Houston. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I think Minnesota is just not the team that many people thought they were this year. And uh, I'm also going to take Houston. Yep, we will sweep this one. The next uh, game, we're going to start into the Sunday afternoon games. It's going to be the New York Giants at the LA Rams. Los isn't here to say it, but uh, he did tell us so in the preseason show that Daniel Jones had a meat grinder of a schedule to start the year. If Jones is getting dropped on waivers this week or maybe even last week, put him on your watch list because he gets Dallas in two weeks and then Washington and Philadelphia twice in the next five weeks after that. So his schedule clears up a lot after this week. But that said, he is not a great play against the Rams, uh, a defense that barely got bested by Josh Allen. It's hard to be excited about any Giants player right now in fantasy without the threat of Saquon Barkley forcing defenders to stack the box. But Darius Slayton and Golden Tate tied for the lead in targets with seven apiece, so those are the two that you want to stash on your bench for the coming weeks. On the LA side here, the Rams are looking back uh, to their 2018 Super Bowl contender form, and Goff is being rostered in far too few leagues right now. He is the top waiver ad at quarterback this week against this giant secondary, and we're finally seeing what Daryl Henderson can do on the ground with Cam Akers out. That said, Henderson would be a sell-high target for me. It's a little bit too optimistic to expect him to continue seeing this much work when Cam Akers is back healthy. Uh, I do think that Henderson, Akers, and Brown are all going to split split touches in this backfield, uh, assuming all three are healthy in, in a week or two. So if you can flip Henderson for help at QB, wide receiver, tight end, maybe even package Henderson with someone else for a true RB1, I would do so ASAP. Uh, a good target might be Chris Carson. Uh, if the team that has Carson really needs a win in week four and isn't sure that Carson's going to be ready to play, just the thought there. Uh, or maybe uh, even flipping Henderson plus for Kenyon Drake, who's disappointed a little bit through three weeks. So those would be two targets. Um, all that being said, I'm going to take the Rams here as my second most confident lock of the week behind Baltimore. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, <laughs> as I said at the beginning of the show, it, it's going to be boring from a pick'em standpoint because I do feel like a lot of these favorites uh, should be able to handle their weaker opponents. So unless something crazy happens, I, I do like a lot of the favorites this week. The next game is a bit tougher to predict, though. Uh, New England at Kansas City. This is going to be probably the best afternoon game of the bunch to watch. No longer a Brady versus Mahomes rematch, but uh, should still be a very entertaining game here. Uh, this should be a high-scoring one. Fire up Cam, Edelman, Nikhil Harry, even after a down week against the Raiders where they just pounded them, uh, and a down week where Rex Burkhead inexplic inexplicably got three touchdowns, um, leaving slim pickings for the rest here. And even Damier Bird could be in play as well if this does turn into a shootout like uh, it was against Seattle. And I think the riskiest play here is going to be Sony Michel. Uh, he's a real risk-reward play because even though, in theory, uh, the Patriots are going to want to run a lot to slow down Kansas City like they have in the past, their defense isn't what it used to be. So Michel could get game scripted out of this one unless he punches in a short touchdown. 
On the Chiefs' side, uh, Belichick's likely going to double Tyreek Hill as he has before, put Gilmore on the number two, whether that's Sammy Watkins or McCole Harmon, but I certainly won't be benching Hill anywhere. Same with Kelsey, even though New England's going to try and bracket him, limit him wherever possible, but uh, Kelsey's too good to be taken away altogether. We'll see how Clyde Edwards-Alaire does tonight. It's going to be tough sledding on the ground against this Ravens run defense, but he does have a safe enough receiving floor for the most part to remain a solid start here against New England. And of course, you're not benching Mahomes. If this game were in New England, I'd have to think about it a little bit more, but being in Kansas City, uh, I am going to take the reigning champs at home. I'm going to take Kansas City too with their 17,000 fans. That's actually a full, uh, 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 sounds like a full stadium from those guys. Yeah, I'm sure they will make it sound like there are 40,000 at Arrowhead. Uh, but Los, uh, again, we will be boring for this one. We will all take Kansas City. It, it's always hard to bet against Mahomes. The next game here, uh, Buffalo at the Las Vegas Raiders. And say it together with me uh, as a reminder, quote, I will not add Tyler Croft off waivers this week. Please do not waste your fab budget on Tyler Croft. Even with Dawson Knox out with the concussion, uh, Croft is not going to score two touchdowns again. This was a week where uh, the Rams played really good defense against Josh Allen, but he beat them with Croft. Uh, It's just not going to happen here. And uh, speaking of uh, a touchdown to Tyree Kill, even with good coverage, so you know, you're, you're never benching Hill. You're never benching Kelsey. You're not benching these guys. Um, sorry, back to Buffalo real quick here. Um, Stefan Diggs, I think, is in a smash spot here. He could see double-digit targets with John Brown potentially out for a little bit of time with a calf injury. I think that Allen and Diggs are two DFS locks this week. Uh, I have yet to see the prop lines for them, but I'm sure I'll be taking the over for both of those players. And I like Devin Singletary a lot as well. If Zach Moss is out again with that toe injury, Singletary was the workhorse uh, with him out, and he busted a few nice runs against the Rams. On the Raiders' side, uh, they've got some injury concerns of their own. Could be without both Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs this week. If so, uh, you know, you're still starting Waller and Jacobs, of course, but I think Hunter Henry is almost a must start wide receiver three. Uh, they, he's built a great rapport with. Derek Carr ever since last year and the Bills have been absolutely gashed by slot receivers so far this year. They they gave up seven catches for 115 yards and a touchdown to Jameson Crowder in week one and then this past week they just allowed Cooper Cup nine catches for 107 yards and a touchdown so I love love Hunter Renfro this week. I think he'll be a great fill-in if you need somebody and uh, I think he'll be a great DFS play as well. The Bills have been a dominant force, though, through three games, and they should roll over the Raiders with no issue here. Yep, taking Buffalo. Yes, sir. Uh, Another boring sweep them. The next game is the Sunday night game, Philadelphia at San Francisco. And man, oh man, the Eagles just cannot catch a break. Dallas Goddard likely out with a high ankle sprain. Deshaun Jackson questionable with a hamstring for this one. And even missing some key players on defense, the Niners dismantled the Giants, and I'm not expecting Carson Wentz to do a whole lot better against them with basically no receiving weapons outside of Zach Ertz. Uh, I think that even though the Niners defend against the tight end well, 
Zach Ertz could see like 20 targets in this game, and he could be an absolute PPR monster this week. On the Niners' side, this could be the first real glimpse we get of last year's Super Bowl contenders with Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk all potentially back for this week. Uh, the unveiling of the offense, uh, finally healthy. Maybe Mostert back as well. We'll see. I love Garoppolo as a streamer this week against this Eagles secondary. Uh, Samuel and Ayuk both are flex plays, and of course you're starting Kittle if he's active. And then finally in the backfield, we mentioned last week that Jeff Wilson Jr. could be a big factor with Mostert and Coleman out, not just McKinnon. And Wilson did actually outscore McKinnon this the past week. If Mostert remains out again this week with his knee sprain uh, and Coleman has already been ruled out for multiple games, I do think that both McKinnon and Wilson remain great flex plays with touchdown upside. The Niners have really been a very stout team overcoming injuries early in the season. They figured out a way to continue strong uh, even with their rash of injuries and I expect them to continue that against a very mediocre looking Eagles team on Sunday night. Yeah, I think I'm going to take San Francisco here too. It just seems that like a team that everyone pegged as being like a run first offense coming into the season on paper actually has an extremely good looking uh, passing core. So like, I'm very interested to see what happens. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm definitely taking them. And more than that, even though their defense has been playing very well, they're certainly not going to be as shut down as they were last year. So I I do think there's opportunity for Garoppolo to get into some shootouts this year. I love him rest of the season. I was high on him coming into the year. And if, if he can keep... Kittle, Samuel, and Ayuk all healthy. I mean, really, he's the biggest beneficiary here. Uh, Los is going to take San Francisco as well here, which brings us to the Monday night game. Atlanta at Green Bay. The Bears stole a victory with Julio Jones out last week and Russell Gage leaving the game early with a concussion. Matt Ryan could be in a void here if neither of those guys suit up to play in week four. It's going to be a headache for a lot of fantasy game managers with this game being on Monday nights. I would look at potential waiver wire options now if you have Julio or Russell Gage and you've been relying on them. Outside of that, uh, Hayden Hurst, just the one touchdown was fairly quiet for the rest of the game. Uh, he's still a low-end tight end one for me this week, but it's certainly hard to trust if he doesn't see target volume. Uh, really expected more out of him with both Julio and Gage out for a lot of the a lot of the game against Chicago. And then finally, outside of that, Gurley should be a decent flex, but I would not expect a whole lot out of this offense as a whole if both Julio and Gage can't go. On the Green Bay side, I doubted Rodgers this preseason, took the Saints last night in the pick'em with Devontae Adams out, and I've just been dead wrong so far. I'll I'll admit it here, Rodgers and LaFleur seem to have this offense clicking in year two, and I have Rodgers as a top five fantasy play this week. Obviously, Devontae Adams' status is going to be something big to monitor, but I like Rodgers regardless of Adams being in or out for Monday night. I think more concerning here is the workload split for the running backs. Jones, of course, a locked-in RB1, but it was just a little bit concerning for his ceiling to see a lot of Jamal Williams and Tyler Irvin against the Saints in the second half last night. Uh, Just somewhat limits his ceiling a little bit. Of course, Uh, The Falcons have given up two double-digit leads in back-to-back weeks. 
Dan Quinn's on the hot seat here, and it, it just might be his last game uh, in Atlanta as the head coach. I don't think that they're going to need to worry here about giving up any leads, though, because I doubt that they're going to lead in this game at any point. Give me the Packers at home in primetime. I kind of want Atlanta to lead in this game at one point and then blow it away like they have been, but I, I'm definitely going to take Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, the most astounding thing was... But that's what they're known for, blowing leads in the second half. It's so weird because Dan Quinn was such a good defensive hire from Seattle. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of it's sad what's happened with Atlanta here. I think if you're a Falcons fan, you've had a lot of hope for the last few years, and it just hasn't panned out. But Los will take Green Bay as well, and we will sweep this one. Let's move on to injury news here. You want to kick it off for us, Dan? Yeah, I can do. I can start with the quarterbacks. Uh, quarterbacks. First one, Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprain. Uh, he's probable now for Week Four. Uh, he. That's good news for San Francisco fans and fans who who like watching handsome quarterbacks play. Uh, Garoppolo is expected to play this coming week and should be fairly affected, given he's mostly a pocket quarterback. Uh, Drew Locke uh, still has a row cut, uh, rotator cuff strain on his throwing shoulder. He is out. Uh, he's out for at least another week, probably more. Week five is, they're saying the earliest he could return, but he's, he's likely to miss more than that. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, chest injury, doubtful for week four. Uh, Taylor remains sidelined probably for another week, and Herbert is playing well enough that uh, he's probably going to hold on to the starting job uh, despite the loss to Carolina. Taylor doesn't need to be rostered in one QB formats. At running back, we've got Chris Carson with that knee injury, questionable for week four. A really dirty play uh, by that Cowboys defender, twisting his knee at the end of that play after Carson was already clearly down. But luckily, it does not sound like a serious injury, so watch Carson's practice status this week. Tariq Cohen with the ACL tear. He's out for the season. Cohen tore his ACL against Atlanta and is just done for the year, so he can be dropped in all redraft formats. Christian McCaffrey with a high ankle sprain out for week four. He's on IR, which means that week six versus Chicago is the earliest that McCaffrey could return. Hopefully those who drafted him were able to add Mike Davis following his injury. Raheem Mostert with the MCL sprain is questionable for week four. We'll see if he can get back to practice this week. Uh, the Niners may choose to rest him another week given their continued success with Jeff Wilson Jr. and Jarek McKinnon filling in. Tevin Coleman with a knee injury. He's already been ruled out for week four. He's on IR, which means that week six against the Rams is the earliest that he could return. McKinnon and Wilson are both playing very well, and with Mostert back as the projected lead back, uh, you know, Coleman probably doesn't need to be rostered and held through his absence in shallower redraft formats. Zach Moss with a toe injury. He's questionable for week four. He was surprisingly ruled out fairly early uh, with that toe injury, so we'll see if he's closer to returning to action this week. Monitor his practice status closely. Cam Akers with the rib injury. He's questionable for week four. Rib injuries are all about pain tolerance, and his status is going to depend on how quickly he heals here. With Daryl Henderson playing well in his stead, the Rams could choose to rest Akers another week in what should be an easily winnable matchup against the Giants. Philip Lindsay with a toe sprain, he's questionable for week four. With Denver playing on Thursday night, they could choose to give Lindsay another week here to recover, but either way, we will know his status pretty early. 
Le'Veon Bell with a hamstring strain, questionable for week four. Bell injured his hamstring in week one and has missed two games already. Remains questionable for this week, so stay tuned on updates regarding Bell's practice status. And likewise, Duke Johnson with a high ankle sprain, he also questionable for week four. He also sprained his ankle in week one and has missed two games and remains questionable. Stay tuned on updates on Johnson as well. All right, moving on to wide receivers. Uh, first up, we have Chris Godwin, hamstring injury. He is questionable for week four. We don't really know the severity of his injury, uh, but soft tissue injuries are always a concern for re-aggravation if he rushes back too soon. Monitor his practice status this week. Julio Jones, hamstring injury, questionable for week four. Jones was playing through the injury at the start of the season, and it finally caught up with him as he aggravated the injury in week two. Monitor his practice status this week to see if he can potentially return. With the Falcons playing on Monday night, have a backup plan in place early. Russell Gage, concussion, questionable for week four. Players progress through the concussion protocol at their own pace. Monitor Gage's practice status this week. Deontay Johnson, uh, concussion, questionable for week four. Uh, Once again, players progress through the concussion protocol at their own pace. Uh, Monitor uh, Johnson's status this week. Uh, Devontae Adams, hamstring strain, questionable for week four. Uh, Green Bay chose to rest Adams and was able to take down New Orleans even without him. Monitor's practice status this week. It's another late game for the Packers, uh, this time on Monday night. Adams could be th- at uh, could be a game-time decision, uh, but would be a must-start versus the inept Falcons defense if active. Uh, Michael Thomas has a high ankle sprain. He is questionable for Week 4. Uh, Thomas was held out again in Week 3 versus Green Bay and was ruled out pretty early, suggesting and he still has a ways to go before returning. Monitor his practice status this week, but be prepared to go another week without him in your lineup. DJ Chark, he has a chest injury. He's probable for week four. The uh, early reports sound optimistic that Chark is ready to return this coming week, and he might have played last week uh, had the game been not been on Thursday night. Uh, John Brown, calf injury. He is questionable for week four. Uh, not much info yet on this injury, so keep an eye on his practice status this week. These injuries can linger, though, uh, most recently with T.Y. Hilton missing a chunk of time last year. Uh, Henry Ruggs, hamstring injury, and Brian Edwards, high ankle sprain. They are both questionable. Uh, Derek Carr has his work cut out for him with two of his starting wide receivers potentially out for week four. Monitor both of their practice statuses throughout the week. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, hamstring injury, questionable for week four. Another hamstring injury. Uh, We'll see how he's doing uh, in practice this week monitor status. I feel like a, a broken record here. Uh, Mike Williams, hamstring, again, questionable for week four. Uh, Williams isn't doing much to begin with and, and now could miss time with a hamstring injury. He's uh, not a must hold in redraft. Uh, Christian Kirk, groin injury. He's questionable for week four. Likewise for Kirk, he wasn't productive even prior to the injury and Andy Isabella immediately contributed in his absence. He doesn't need to be held through his absence in most redraft leagues. Uh, Jameson Crowder, hamstring injury, questionable for week four. Crowder suffered the injury during practice prior to the week two game. Monitor his practice status this week. Uh, Brashad Perriman, he has a high ankle sprain. He is doubtful for week four. Perriman is likely out for multiple weeks. He was never a consideration in standard size leagues anyway and has some DFS potential with Crowder out. He doesn't need to be rostered. Uh, A.J. Brown has a bone bruise, questionable for week four. Uh, These injuries can take a few weeks to heal. Uh, 
So we shouldn't count on Brown returning this week. Uh, continuing to monitor his status in practice. Uh, Jalen Rager, he has a he had thumb surgery. He's out for week four. It sounds like Rager will miss at least a couple weeks, if not more. There's optimism in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia for not placing him on IR, but we'll have to see how he heals. Monitor his practice status in the coming weeks. Uh, Paris Campbell sprained PCL. He is out for week four. Campbell is likely out through the Colts' week seven bye and might not return at all this year. He doesn't need to be rostered in most redraft formats. Yeah, like I said at the beginning of the show, a ton of injuries at wide receiver. Not so many at tight end, though. Dallas Goddard, a big one. High ankle sprain, doubtful for week four. High ankle sprains are tough to recover from, and this will likely be a multi-week absence for him. Check in on Goddard's practice status this week, but have a backup plan in place. George Kittle with a knee injury, probable for week four. It sounds like the Niners are planning to have Kittle, Garoppolo, Samuel, and Ayuk all potentially back together this coming week. Unless you have Kelsey or Andrews, Kittle is going in your lineup if active. And then Jordan Reed with the knee injury questionable for week four. All the best to Reed, but he was barely fantasy relevant even with Kittle out. So with Kittle expected to return, he does not need to be rostered anymore in the vast majority of redraft leagues. All right, um, moving on to the waiver wire ads. Um, starting with quarterbacks. Uh, first up, we have Jared Goff, who is 37% owned in ESPN, 63 in Yahoo. Goff has had a nice start to uh, the year outside of week one. Where I'm, Malcolm... I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's McCole Hartman season. Oh, it totally is. You you just love that guy. I you? love McCole Hartman, and here we go. That's That's his one. I love it. All right, sorry, sorry for the interruption. Should I, should I, I'm just going to have to, where was I even, where was I? I oh, Jared Goff. <laughs> something uh, about Jared Goff. All I heard Goff was McCole Hardman. Nice well, he had a nice start of the year outside of week one where Malcolm Brown uh, vultured two goal line touchdowns. Uh, he gets to face a Giants defense this week that just gave up almost 350 passing yards to the backup Nick Mullins. Uh, next up, we have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is 6% owned in ESPN, 7% owned in Yahoo. Uh, Fitzmagic has been dealing, uh, has been dealing, and he now gets the Seattle secondary that's given up an average of 440 passing yards per game through three weeks. And Jamal Adams might miss uh, this game with a groin injury. Uh, Gardner Minshew, uh, 56% owned in ESPN, 59% in Yahoo. Uh, Minshew cratered spectacularly versus Miami on Thursday night, uh, but he remains a good bet to rebound against a soft Cincinnati secondary, especially if DJ Chark is back and healthy this week. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, 29% owned in ESPN, 36 in Yahoo. Uh, week four might be the first game San Francisco uh, has this year with Garoppolo, Garoppolo, Kittle, Samuel, and Ayuk all healthy and active. Uh, with their defense hurt, Grappolo could capitalize on some higher scoring games this year with an arsenal of receiving weapons at his disposal. And at the running backs, we've got Carlos Hyde, 10%, and ESPN, 18%, and Yahoo. It's slim pickings at running back on the waiver wire this week. With most injury backups like Mike Davis, Jerry McKinnon, and others already scooped up in the last couple weeks, but Hyde is still available in a lot of leagues and should be the lead back if Carson isn't ready to go. He should be a serviceable RB2 with a great matchup with upside against Miami. Jeff Wilson Jr., 15% owned in ESPN, 22% in Yahoo. 
We mentioned last week that it would be a split between McKinnon and Wilson with Mostert out, and indeed it was with Wilson actually outscoring McKinnon against the Giants in fantasy. If Mostert sits for another week, Wilson remains a viable flex play. Kalen Balaj, not owned in ESPN or Yahoo. You should never feel great being forced to start a player on the Jets in fantasy, but Balaj got some receiving work with the Jets down big against the Colts. They're projected to play from behind pretty much every week, uh, so he's a desperation RB4 worth a look in deeper PPR formats. And Jordan Howard, 50% owned in ESPN, 55% in Yahoo. Again, if you're desperate, Howard isn't getting much work, but he is the clear preferred goal line back. He's a completely touchdown-dependent RB4, but he's scored three touchdowns in three weeks, and it should be a high-scoring game against the Seahawks. So there's a decent bet that he'll get some more goal line opportunities in this one. All right, moving on to wide receivers. Uh, first up, we have Justin Jefferson, 34% owned in ESPN, 31 in Yahoo. Uh, the rumors of Minnesota wanting to involve Jefferson more on offense turned out to be as true as he uh, roasted the Tennessee secondary. Uh, now he gets another winnable matchup versus a struggling Houston defense that could be a solid wide receiver three option for the rest of the season. Uh, Preston Williams, 53% owned in ESPN, 30 in Yahoo. Uh, just two targets for Williams versus Jacksonville was disappointing. Uh, but he gets a wonderful matchup versus this Seattle secondary, possibly with no Jamal Adams. This could be another high-scoring game, one where Fitzpatrick will throw more than he did versus Jacksonville on Thursday night. Uh, Alan Lazard, 39% owned in ESPN, 49 in Yahoo. Lazard seems to be the clear guy behind Devontae Adams in Green Bay. He's a boomer bust wide receiver three or flex with Adams on the field and a solid wide receiver two if Adams isn't ready to play versus Atlanta on Monday night. Uh, Hunter Renfro, 6% owned in ESPN, 10% in Yahoo. Uh, with Ruggs and Ed Edwards both potentially out for the week, Renfro could benefit with a lot of target volume, as he did against New England. Buffalo has also struggled to cover slot re wide receivers. Uh, giving up his 7-115 in one line to Jam Jameson Crowder in week one, and now 7-107 in one to Cooper Cup this past week. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, 35% owned in ESPN, 29 in Yahoo!, like Minshew, Chenault disappointed on Thursday night against Miami. Uh, but he remains a highly targeted wide receiver and is involved on the ground for a Jacksonville team that will be in plenty of shootouts this year. Uh, Debo Samuel, 72% owned in ESPN, 72% in Yahoo. And Brandon Ayuk, 17% owned in ESPN, 28 in Yahoo. Uh, Samuel may, may be out there uh, in some leagues, and Ayuk is widely available. Both are high-ceiling flex plays with Garoppolo, Kittle, and Samuel expected back in Week 4 for San Francisco to fire on all cylinders. Uh, Randall Cobb, 15% owned in ESPN, 6 in Yahoo. Cobb is just a boomer bust wide receiver 4, but is seeing valuable slot targets from Watson. With Houston's defense struggling to stop opponents from scoring, Watson can continue to throw a ton of passes. He's the number 3 option for now behind Fuller and Cooks, but both Wide receivers ahead of him have had some injury concerns. Uh, Andy Isabella, 1% uh, owned in both ESPN and Yahoo. It would be foolish to expect another two-touchdown outing on just four targets, but Isabella is clearly the more explosive wide receiver behind Hopkins and should uh, hopefully earn more uh, snaps and targets going forward. 
He's just a stash for now, but could become a consistent flex option as the season progresses. And at tight end here, uh, we are starting off with Rob Gronkowski, 67% owned in ESPN, 57% in Yahoo. Did we give up on Gronk too soon? After Bruce Arians called him out for being just a blocker, Gronk went off against Denver, leading the team with seven targets. He's worth a look if he's getting back into game shape after a year off, especially if Chris Godwin misses some time with his hamstring injury. Mo Cox, 9% in both ESPN and Yahoo formats. Even with Jack Doyle finally healthy last week, Ali Cox outsnapped him on offense and scored another impressive touchdown. His target volume remains dangerously low, but Ali Cox's yards after the catch ability makes him a decent bet to score each week and a solid high-end tight end too. Jimmy Graham, 13% in ESPN, 9% in Yahoo. If you're desperate, the Colts are a tough matchup for tight ends, but Graham seems to be the preferred red zone target for both Trubisky and now Foles. If Foles can run a more efficient offense than Trubisky did, there could be more touchdown opportunities for Graham going forward. Robert Tanyan not rostered in ESPN or Yahoo. Green Bay is still rotating in all three tight ends in Tanyan, Sternberger, and Lewis, but Tanyan seems to be the quote-unquote starter for now. If you're desperate, he could be a decent bet against an Atlanta defense that's given up four touchdowns to tight ends through three weeks. Tanyan could be an emergency sub for those choosing to flex Devontae Adams if he does indeed become a game-time decision. Uh, last up, we have defenses. Uh, Rams defense, 21% owned in ESPN, 56 at Yahoo. Uh, Daniel Jones has turned the ball over twice each week so far in 2020 with four interceptions and two fumbles through three games. Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey could continue this trend. Uh, Denver. Uh, 41% owned in ESPN, 36 in Yahoo. The Broncos are injured on defense, missing Von Miller and A.J. Boya, but they still seem to have a decent shot to get those sacks and maybe a turnover or two against a struggling Jets offense. Uh, Houston, 1% owned in ESPN, 3 in Yahoo. The Texan defense has gotten shredded thus far by Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Ben Roethlisberger, but Kirk Cousins and Minnesota coming to town should help them get back on track. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, as we speak, a quick game update. It's been a bad week for kickers. Youngway Ku missing some kicks, and apparently he was injured, and now Butker missing a couple kicks. Uh, man, I, I guess there's no such thing as a safe kicker. Maybe Justin Tucker, but he hasn't gotten many opportunities tonight, huh? I mean, he had one. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Well, and then he had the extra point, so that's that's something. Yeah, and speaking of, uh, McCole Hardman barely missed a second long touchdown, so I'm uh, I'm all the way excited right now, and that's why we have to end the show very quickly. As always, if you have more specific questions for us regarding your fantasy team or league, we're happy to reply to questions on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung, that's M-E-N-G, and you can find me uh, at FFA underscore Dan. You can also find Los at FFA underscore Los. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all the things. Uh, hit, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming podcast episodes. Indeed, all the things. It's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there, and the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen. 
but we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight.